the work week, am I right? But do you know what would make it a little bit better? Doing church on a Sunday and then listening to a podcast about the sermon. Welcome to the Post-Sunday Blues, a preaching post-mortem, a production of Liberty Church Collingswood. Each week we'll spend some time unpacking Sunday sermonics, and we hope that you'll be able to connect a little deeper with the message and the messenger. It's a win, if we can make your work week a little less blue. House lights down. Welcome to the Post-Sunday Blues, a preaching post-mortem. I'm Emily, and I'm here to interrogate my husband, Jim, see what's going on in his brain right now. Hello, and speaking of dead things, um, we are on a single microphone because my microphone, at least for now, has died. I don't know what's going on. Uh, yeah, the tech stuff, I, it's its our forte, and I'm sure you'll get it fixed really quickly. <laughs> a pastor who has himself for a producer is a fool for a client. That's all I'm going to say. What are we doing here? Yeah. Anyway, maybe we can hire Josiah for next week. Yep. Anyway. Um, should we start with, with talking about how we celebrated the Super Bowl or how we celebrated Valentine's Day? <laughs> Both were epic in their absence. So, yeah, which one did you like I better, loved Ray? the Super Bowl night. It was my favorite Super Bowl ever. <laughs> <laughs> You're that much of a Los Angeles Rams fan, I see. I, got, I finally had no obligations. I forget last year. I, my only obligation was to make... Uh, a crock pot full of chili for Josiah's chili for friends, yeah. um, which I would have done anyway for our own family. And then I got to just sit in my bed and binge watch Netflix Love is Blind. Right. <laughs> Best That's all Super Bowl I did. ever. It was so good. Yeah. How was your Super Bowl? The commercials were good. Football was good. Food was good. I'm not going to complain. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, this is, uh, this is the... Call it Story Monday section where we're talking mm. about we're debriefing the day the before. Super Bowl. So I was just trying to right. you know be with the times. You had actually a <laughs> so surprisingly hip. light. You were light on the Super Bowl references. It's almost as if you were avoiding it because of past traumas involving. <sighs> yeah, I I just <laughs> I just get bored with Super Bowls that the Eagles aren't playing in. So I I wasn't really there for it this year. It was fine. Yeah, I. Helen Woes, I want you to know that I never pander, ever, ever, ever. That includes random Super Bowl references for no reason. Yeah. Good stuff. And then Valentine's Day, I don't think you give it a shout out either. Did you? Maybe you did. No. <laughs> I mean, do do churches do stuff for Valentine's Day? Is Was that when, like, years ago, I told you there was a video about, I saw the online version of their worship service where there was, where the pastor brought out his wife and presented her with flowers on stage so maybe we can do that for next year well there is the origin story of jim and emily where in which uh we met each other around valentine's day weekend and you gave a rose to someone else (laughs) that was just the beginning (laughs) but not the end um yeah hot tip for people i don't know Valentine's Day is not the best day to go out, and we kind of discovered that pretty early on. It's just busy restaurants and yeah, you get weird um, pre-fee menus. Yeah, and... pre-fees are, can be good, but like on Valentine's Day specifically, they're just phoned in because they know the restaurants know that they're going to get an onslaught of people. Yeah. So unless you're just interested in like watching other people be on Tinder dates, I don't know. It's just not the best night to go out. So. <laughs> Jim and I will celebrate another date night sometime. Well, we're soon. we're sharing a microphone in honor of Valentine's oh, Day. Oh, I see. That's that was your plan. Mm-hmm. I get it. 
Uh, okay, but let's get started with the the actual um, broadcast this morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're talking about the context of the world right now, Valentine's Day, Super Bowl. What was the context going on as you were preparing the sermon for this Sunday? Right, so we were in the story of Cain and Abel from Genesis chapter 4 this weekend, and before we go to Presence of the Lord and Son Studios in a more general, burdensome way, continuing to feel the the weight of the heaviness of this period that we're living in. Eric Mitchell, a couple of weeks ago in his sermon, um, talked about how both within church and without church, this is not a super happy period for humanity in the late modern West here in the States. And I felt some of that reflected in this passage. And so I don't think cheerleaders, I don't think pastors, I don't think cheerleaders should be, uh, I was going to say, I don't think pastors should be cheerleaders just in the sense and of you're not. The, uh, hyping everybody up to be super excited when life is not super exciting. I think we want to be optimistic, but not, not fake. So wanting to bring in a sense of heaviness to the pulpit once again, and saw that in, in our passage. So was feeling hopefully not horribly or hopelessly heavy, but heavy nonetheless. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, that that sense of uh, groundhog year, whatever that right. we've been talking about. Yeah, I coined that um, phrase. <laughs> what do you feel like God is speaking to you in terms of how we how we approach exiting that spirit? Exiting that spirit. Well, externally, I don't think there's an exit. I think life is going to continue to be to be weird, which, <laughs> which, which makes for a different set of internal questions. And I think part of getting through this period is just getting through this period. So wanting people to continue to bunker down for the long winter of our post-COVID reality. And hopefully, maybe we'll be pleasantly surprised that it's not as bad and not as long. But mm-hmm. I do continue to think that there are patterns of human behavior here in our country that are being permanently altered, some of which we can sense, others we won't for a while. But if we can be people of greater resilience in this period, then God's done a gracious work in our midst. Mm-hmm. And you kind of talk- So the answer is no answer. Okay. Well, you were just more concretely, you're talking yeah. about how you want as a pastor to be, um, to be building building this building out the stories the narratives um to help us have more hope as we look at even a passage that's hard yeah so two things in that direction one trying to frame our world in hope which to me if you don't have the scriptures i don't see how you just look around and say well i feel really hopeful right now about life the universe and everything i'm not sure things really work that way according to our eyes but then also you you mentioned the, the the world building the word building the the other thing that i was thinking about last week and i mentioned this at some point in the introduction to the sermon m thinking about preachers as world builders which is a new connection to me taking the concept of world building where as i feel the press of secularity all around us at liberty collingswood and maybe, maybe I'm just over-romanticizing or taking my job way too importantly, but thinking about sermons on a Sunday morning and the teaching ministry of a church more broadly, by the Word of God and by the Spirit of God, we're aiming to do nothing less than to recast 
everything about the world and the interpretations of our our congregation. So it's not just preaching as casting a couple different data points, different places, but really trying to build a whole entire world, which is the true one, as opposed to the fake matrices around us. Mm-hmm. And uh, moving on to Sun Studios, it's related to that, like you, yeah. the specific story and the specific passage, Cain and Abel, like that's a pretty dark world that that is painted if yeah. you look at it just flatly. So um, I feel like it must have been interesting to try to like work work within the concept of wanting to build in hope with a passage that's so dark. Yeah. Well, it's one of those proverbial both ends. And when I may have mentioned towards the beginning of the sermon that needing stories that stick with us needing to reflect our, our world. And I think I think the story of Cain murdering Abel gives us an accurate reflection of of what this world is. So trying to build out some resonances for people to be able to recognize their own experience through the lens of the scriptures. And yeah, this is a grisly story, but it's not just a murder. There's maybe at least one of the things for me studying the passage that made it a little less bleak, dark and grisly as it might otherwise be, is that it's a super artful passage Hmm. as well. So it's a... What do you mean by that? Yeah, I don't... It, it's that. a it's a well drawn murder. Everybody likes a well drawn <laughs> a, a well drawn murder, and I use the prism of irony through which to to look at this passage. So there are ironic tidbits all over the place, from Cain protesting God's punishment of him by saying like, "Hey, I might be killed if you drive me out of here," even though Cain himself has killed Abel. Abel's blood speaking from the ground, although Abel is silent. Cain worker of the land driven from it, Cain born with the help of the presence of the Lord driven from the presence of the Lord. So really a masterful story here as even the subject of the masterful storytelling is is pretty bleak. Right. How do you see that as w- with your um, your outline of reflection versus project or and mm-hmm. projecting? Yeah. Like how do you feel like the story is reflecting our society? Or is that muddying the waters? That's muddying the waters. Oh, my gosh. But we'll get there very soon. These categories. <laughs> yeah. What would this podcast so be without me it, complaining? It, seem, it seems to reflect our reality. Yes, let's put a pin in that for a little bit later on. <laughs> also, in terms of the passage itself, um, the, the way that murder accelerates by the end. So you have Cain killing Abel, the first murder, carrying forward alienation from other people from Genesis chapter 3. Adam blames Eve, Cain kills Abel, and then Lamech, the descendant, if Cain's revenge is sevenfold, then Lamech's is 77-fold. So, yeah, there there's a lot of grisly stuff going on in this, going on in this passage. And this was a, just a bigger passage of scripture. So originally, in the preaching schedule for this winter at Liberty Collingswood, Genesis chapter four was going to be two sermons. I was going to cut it in the middle. So mm-hmm. Cain and Abel and then Cain's descendants. But I had forgotten, this is something that very helpfully Eric Mitchell caught. I had forgotten that for Network Sunday, we're not doing a sermon from Liberty Collingswood. So things got a little compressed and had to fit in the second part of, 
of this passage too. So it's it's a long one, but you get that accelerative yeah, aspect of sin. Yeah, I can see why the condensed version actually could be stronger because because of that. What you're saying that um, that the movement from blame, even blame, came to blood, and then it just becoming worse. That, right. That feels relevant and true. Yeah, we we almost named either of our sons Lamech, oh, but we but we decided against it. But but then also in the story too, um, there. One of the benefits of pairing the story of Cain and Abel with Cain's descendants. So you have Lamech, kind of a bad guy, avenging 77-fold. There, there, there's a band, I think a heavy metal band, called Avenged. Is it Avenged Sevenfold? I was going to make a joke about that during the during the sermon, but far be it for me yeah, to you, skip ahead. You're to, asking the wrong person, and, the, you're, yeah, and right. you're skipping ahead. But then also you see in... Jabel, Jubal, and Tubal Cain, that human culture develops and flourishes. So we do have those silver linings of God working through. And the theological term I mentioned briefly is common grace, where for people that are Christians or non-Christians, good and evil, east, west, north, and south, God is still fundamentally a good God to us. And so we see, by way of human flourishing, God's common grace being built out through agriculture, art, and iron so keeping this passage all together gives us some of those silver linings so at least that's that's one benefit there uh, and i have one other thing to say about this passage before going on muddying the waters Do you have anything that you, um, be, no, before i just keep blabbing? keep blabbing keep blabbing the the hinge of the passage i said was verse 15 when you have cain being marked by god uh, and tell me, did, did it land or make sense when I asked the question rhetorically, hey, is the mark of Cain a sign of guilt or a sign of grace? And I kind of said yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think I, I, I mean, I wonder if you're not familiar with the Hebrew scriptures, how much that resonates. But mark, mark of Cain seems to be in the common vernacular, right? Like, yeah. like it's an indication of something, but it's, it, yeah, that it served two functions um also resonates as like many things in our life do where there can be sin in our lives and we both we both see it as a mark of shame but then recognize god's grace in redeeming us from that so i I see it yeah which i'm there which made a great connection at least in my mind carrying forward to the cross is the cross Mm -hmm. of jesus a sign of guilt or a sign of grace mm-hmm. and it's both we we see the reality of our sin writ large on the cross but then also the reality of god's forgiveness because the cross is empty and jesus rose again yeah. so i but with with sermons you're always trying to find a way especially in the old testament before jesus came to figure out a way to get to christ crucified and resurrected which mm-hmm. needs to be the center of every Christian sermon that's ever preached in any context. But trying to get there not the same way every week is one of the fun challenges for me. And when I saw a commentary, it was a commentary that gave the idea about the mark of Cain signifying both guilt and grace. I said, hey, wait a second. (laughs) That's kind of like the cross. And then I went there. The, the workings of Jim Anger's mind. That, there you go, guys. <laughs> we have it. Uh, muddying the waters. What, what as you were approaching, what was my question before? It was about, oh, let me see. Oh, yeah, that it needs to reflect society. And I just, like, paint it out for me. 
you've painted this picture of Cain and Abel, mm-hmm. the um, grisly murder, the cover-up, the sign of Abel. What, mm. How is it applying to what's going on in our world? So, here we are at muddying the waters. The, I, I said towards the beginning of the sermon, and this is something that I just kind of made up. Uh, you can tell me if it makes sense or not, but for stories to stick, for them to connect with us, they need to both reflect and project the world around us, right? Mm-hmm. So reflecting the reality, including all of the ugly dimensions of our world, but then projecting a better one at the same time. As as I ended last week of sermon writing, I realized, hey, there are a lot more things that stories need to do <laughs> besides just <laughs> just those two things, reflecting and, and projecting, but call them necessary conditions for stories to stick, but not sufficient ones in themselves. And by way of reflection, we have a world that has, even at the level of murder and killing, there is, there, there's just a lot of it. Mm-hmm. So the, the, scriptures, the scriptures speak to this reality. I, I talked about when we moved here, there was a Sandy Hook killings right. and then the, the record murder rate in Camden. Yeah, I, I remember that moment as being particularly, just not in your sermon, but yeah. even when you were pointing out at the beginning when or the epiphany hamden moment when they were saying that just the reality of like it was heavy um how much there really is is actual death and actual suffering around us um and we become kind of blind to it so i mm-hmm. think um i think highlighting that as that literal aspect of cain's murdering abel and it being brother against brother and our family relationships being stressed or strained right it is heavy yeah, and so places of more money, more privilege in the in the West will take something like murder and simply internalize it to to something that's that that's metaphorical. But there are many places in our world, both near and far, where I think there is some resonance to be struck. Where if you're surrounded by physical violence and and murder, see, seeing it reflected here here in the scriptures, but then Jesus, I mentioned, goes on to take murder from the hand to the heart and say, hey, if you're angry at somebody, we're also liable for judgment because we we too are murderers. So yeah, I wanted to spend time thinking about the the messiness of of our world, whether it's literal murders, anger at one another, and I've said plenty of times over the past couple of years, the level of tribalization and rancor that is being registered in the world right now is is off the charts as we can't be civil with one another any, anymore sim- seemingly and so yeah it's yeah. a pretty angry world right now um and i think moving into the granular microcosm of like self um or not not just the world but that it's internally in ourselves i see you kind of building a discussion of um the guilt inside of us and what we do with guilt yeah as part of part of how you're using this narrative um how did you feel like i don't know like you mentioned during like that yvonne during confession was talking about the like guilt versus versus freedom and grace yeah what what do you see there as this how do you see this passage addressing that guilt's all over the place and still God is gracious to guilty be people into a guilty world, carrying forward to, to the cross. I, I do think, what do you do with guilt? Is one of the gadfly 
aspects of our modern world in the secular West as we seek to, to move away from God. So there's so much, whether it's psychology, developmental biology, evolution, that, that would seek to say, hey, guilt is this concept that, that's false. And, you know, when we feel like we want to do wrong things, and I'm not saying that every school of therapy is, is, is like this, but there's a lot of it out there that says, hey, like you just need to love yourself and get over your own guilt. It's, it's not there. It's not real. Forget about it. Mm-hmm. But to me, I keep going back to the fact that for, for all of the self-help out there that says, hey, just get over your own guilt. It's not real. It's not there. It's not that big of a deal. We tend to be, we still persist in being incredibly guilty people which to me indicates that this is God's world and we need the scriptures to make sense of it. Uh, Scripture says that guilt is real and we can't get over it. And because he's a holy God, nor can God, we need a deeper grace than we're able to give ourselves or to give other people. So I truly believe that the only way that we can really own our guilt and our wrong is if that there's a forgiving cross Mm -hmm. where where we can put it. And even for me personally, um, if, if there is no cross, I'm going to deny and blame shift my own guilt all day long. So what do you do with your guilt, I, th- I think, is a pressing question for everybody. And I only find a satisfying answer to that question in the Christian story. Right. I'm just I'm puzzling over that. We're not puzzling. I'm just thinking about that a little bit. Like what else? What else could you do besides confess it? And what else could you do? But you could own it, too, and just keep feeling guilty. That's another, if you want to deny it, that's one thing or make excuses. But I think you can also just sit in it and just feel terrible about yourself. And... Yeah, you can be crushed by it mm-hmm. on the other hand. Yeah. And, and I think realistically, even in secular frameworks, when there's interpersonal guilt, one way or another, the, the answer is a couple of different things. You need to put in the work and then also, or to come to a place of, of reconciliation and then understand that connected with putting in the work is that somebody's got to pay. Either the person who's wronged gets over it by way of working through it and absorbing the pain and the blame, or and or the the perpetrator makes rested makes painful restitution so that that pain is addressed. And to me, those are echoes of the movements of the cross, yeah. where God. This is good news. God put in the work for us, work that we could not do ourselves. So that forgiveness could be real and deep and true. So, yeah, right. hopefully the heaviness and the guilt of this passage was was balanced with with some of that stuff. Yeah, and your your I think that that concept of grace and freedom applying to everybody to from from the least of these to the most yeah. wealthy. Um, yeah, just thinking. Wow, this <laughs> works really well. Sorry. Yeah. But, one other thing from here, I'm with muddying the waters, a little bit of engaging the, the non-Christian world. This is a point that I'll make periodically in sermons. I think I even disclaimed it in the sermon by saying, hey, I say this a lot, but I believe it. If, if we live in a truly purposeless universe of random collections of atoms, I don't see a way that we have any foundation of, of being able to find reason and justification for our own moral intuition. So if the world is only completely random all the time, there shouldn't be anything like guilt because there's no wrong. There's no evil. Sure. It's it, 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 it's just random stuff. And so 
something like the problem of evil, where you say, how can a good God allow evil in the world, which is a really big, you know, philosophical and practical problem for a lot of people for millennia. Part of the way I wrestle with that is to come back and say, well, without God, on what basis are you even using terms like good and evil in the first place? Right, right. It's apologetics. Things to chew on. Things there to chew go. on for sure. Um, can we move on to bar band cover tunes? Bar band cover tunes. This we're moving. was full of references. I don't know what was going on for you. Really, what, <laughs> was it just like prepping for the Super Bowl and all the commercials that you were about to see? Well, I, like, I, I was gone in Harrisburg. Building. Didn't preach the two Sundays ago, so, so you're I just had collecting them. <laughs> I had a two-week build-up. I guess the first, yeah. References. Speaking of Harrisburg, the first one was that your your uh, sermon joke bombed there, but then it was successful here. It was, oh. it was that was hilarious. Moment, Love it, actually. Love it. Um, yeah, you got crickets from from your reference. Dovells, you can't sit down. 1963. Yeah. You got crickets from me too. I I personally i'm not not a fan of that kind of joke an eye roll an eye roll joke crickets filled eye roll but um but i did hear that you got some laughter in the crowd and then the double laughter by telling them the callback if at first a joke doesn't succeed just keep telling it howlin wolves i guarantee it it works did you make it did it did it make you love collingswood more sure (laughs) new jersey more (laughs) at least new jersey right no absolutely yes of course (laughs) Um, okay. that, that was pandering. Back to the home team. It was a pandering softball uh, that you slopped in that direction there. And then you started off by, also you referenced Liberty Collingswood in our early days, back at the community center. Yeah, we would crowdsource back then. How did it feel this time? Because you tried, you tried that well, technique you, again. You tell me, it's the, the pulpit, the, the physical architecture of our space at Holy Trinity, I, I, the pulpit, and for somebody who refuses to get glasses, even as I lose my, my depth of sight, I can see close just fine, everybody, but the people are increasingly blurry the farther back they, they sit. Oh, and, no. I, and, and I don't believe that the sanctuary is expanding on me. So you it might be something You could also not on, recognize their voice. It, did, it seemed end. like I couldn't hear who was. So the question, what? like, I, I think people were talking, but because I was so far away, I didn't hear them. And because a lot of people are masked, like right, not right, even right, be right. able to see where, where lips are moving. Failed it, experiment, guys. Well, I think people said, people shouted different things. Mm-hmm. Crowdsourced, what's the show of the moment? Captures the zeitgeist. Friend of mine. Love is blind. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a... Yeah. That's a, that, just, that's a different geist. There we go. <laughs> the, that's a... Right. So, uh, I thought the crowdsourcing worked. I heard people shouting different things, mm-hmm. including more than one person guessed correctly from this friend of mine in the industry that said, Ted Lasso is the show of our mm-hmm. age. So mm-hmm. shout out to Ted Lasso. A- after the sermon, Clara, our fifth grade daughter, asked, Dad, what's Ted Lasso about? So You should have just told her, Encanto. Encanto <laughs> is the spirit of our age. Which I haven't seen. You haven't seen, so you can't, you can't go there. But um, no, there is a need for joy that that joyous spirit and i i see that as um resonating really well because he's he's under oppression that he doesn't even know about that but he kind of maintains joy even as he discovers the oppressive forces around him uncovers them yeah yeah i'd want to be careful not not to say that ted lasso is oppressed (laughs) but 
Okay, but I'm I, just saying. I get what there are people saying. against him. <laughs> That's true. Okay, I'll work on my words next time. Um, where's my third cup the struggle of coffee? Struggle is real, Ted Lasso. <laughs> uh, you also started talking about. Let's see. Pop, pop culture wise, Captain Marvel towards the end. Get up, get up, get up. Captain Marvel. I, I think that's an underrated MCU movie. You didn't feel that at the time. You felt like it was overrated at the time. No. Yes. <laughs> no. <laughs> Where's Rich Moulton? <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. That, that that was not my recollection, Your Honor. <laughs> okay. Uh, I, I think I'll call Clara to the witness stand next week, but um, anyway... We have, what were you saying about, about Captain Marvel? Getting up at the end of the passage in Genesis chapter 4. Oh, that she At that she time, people began down. to call upon the name of the Lord, mm-hmm. and as Captain Marvel keeps getting ne- knocked down and gets back up in our world, we keep getting knocked down, but keeping connection with God through worship on our end and God's grace on his is still possible, so right. we can keep getting yeah. up. Nice. Just like Carol Danvers. And then you had a Boba Fett. Um, you were praising how, how much you love Boba Fett. Yeah, I'll just say, with the uh, Letters to You blog at Liberty Callings with M, the... I knew you were going to th- th- Thanks for the blog Soft- softball <laughs> as well, the blog ball. The, I posted, it was posted on Thursday morning that Boba... Is your or, I, I posted an anti-Book of Boba Fett blog Thursday morning about the penultimate episode... I was a little worried. Hey, what if this last episode is great? And would that mean that... Uh, you had to rescind everything you said about the blog post. Right. The blog post? Yeah, yeah, but I will say that the last episode was even worse. So yeah. I was completely vindicated. And it was an Empire Strikes Back callback in the movie. Or in the sermon. The world, world building. The world, <laughs> the, the world building. The world building movie sermon. kind of stopped <laughs> when the worlds got handed off to other writers. Other writers. Is that it? When it when it got sold off to Disney? What's the uh, issue? Uh, we don't have time for that. Okay. <laughs> so when you're building a world, you just need to not make sure you're not like just sending it through the creative control. Yeah. Is a thing. <laughs> Be careful who you give your world to, guys. Um, and other literary references, you had Zadie Smith again. Zadie Smith. She's becoming the new, you reference her quite a bit now. She's becoming She's the great. new Henderson in the Rain King. The new Henderson, the. New Saul Bella. I, I suspect I will not dislike her as much as I dislike Henderson and the Ranking. Well, she she avoids <laughs> some of your though. critiques of being of a white the, male <laughs> yeah, of of the authors that I that that you make fun of me for for reading. Yeah, Zadie Smith. Good quote from her about how the history of the world is a history of pain, and then I also at the end of the sermon, went back to Rebecca West, mm-hmm. Black Lamb and Gray Falcon. She she portrays this scene where she was traveling in, I think that in, I think that was Croatia at the time. I'd have to go back and check. But, but she saw a world working right within a church sanctuary and a church service juxtaposed against the ugliness of the world all around her. So that's what churches should be, places where people enter and glimpse a world made right again suffused with the grace of god right um good quote 
Yeah. I mean, Thanks. scanning. I, you do have lots of more. Are there any particular that you want to highlight? Last one had Melito of Sardis, who was talking about in poetic language. This is 180 AD. He who suspended the earth is suspended. He who fixed the heavens is fixed. He who fastened all things is fastened to the wood. The master is outraged. God is murdered. Speaking mm -hmm. of the cross with language from Genesis chapter 4. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm looking for it still. So, did I have any thoughts about that? I can't even find it. Okay. Um, I will move on. Um, moving on to guitar slim pickings. Or, is that okay? Let's do, do it. Do you have anything left over to tell us? Any trivia? A couple of leftovers real fast. The the sermon passage was really long. The sermon was long. I think it, I don't think my sermon itself was longer than average, but the sermon text to read mm -hmm. was, was a lot longer. Towards the beginning... When I was talking about giving examples of the world not making sense without a, without the scriptures, I was going to talk a little bit about the controversy around uh, Penn swim team with a transgender woman. Uh, in brief, I think I think the progressive left lacks the tools to be able to have coherent conversations about some of those things, and it just devolves into fighting. Mm -hmm. uh, Another friend of mine in the business world was told me that he was at a diversity training session, and, and he's solid, secular progressive himself. So, but said that he was trained in spirit animal pronominals. So, thinking about how to treat people well with pronouns, going asking people what their spirit animal is, and inventing pronouns for those things, and. His takeaway was, I think this is a little silly, but if I say that, I'll I'll actually get get fired. So needing some grounding in the scriptures with some of maybe the foibles on the left, but then on the right, I was going to talk about things like Unite the Right in January 6th, where mm -hmm. so many, and this is a word, I'm not drawing a moral equivalency here. This, this is worse, where chanting at the Unite the Right in Charlottesville five years ago, Jews are Satan's children, which is just horrible. And then symbols of White Power t-shirt that said Camp Auschwitz brought to the White House last year on January 6th, needing mm -hmm. the scriptures to decouple things that in crazy ways people seem to be putting together right now as crosses were taken uh, to those things. So having the scriptures call us back to a third way walk and worldview in the midst of crazy stuff going on. But even as I repeat all of that now, that's, that's a lot. That's a lot. That's, and it just, that's its own. Yeah, that, that's right. its own set of podcasts. Uh, the only other thing I'll say here um, is that Bruce Springsteen has a couple of references to Cain, most famously "Darkness on the Edge of Town." Adam raised a kin. One of my Adam least favorite. Songs. Oh, it's great! It's a snarling rocker, especially the live versions, but including the studio. Daddy walks these empty rooms, looking to something, looking for something to blame. You inherit the sins. You inherit the flames. Adam raised a cane, talking about how the sins of our fathers follow after us and then also a which of our, our kids do you feel like is inheriting the sins of their father all of them <laughs> and you're welcome they don't have any of mine <laughs> <laughs> okay you know you're the interviewer or the interviewee Encore, do we? You have a note under Helen Wolves. I can see your notes. Oh, you can here, see my notes I, now because I'm sharing a mi can't microphone. Read them because ah, your handwriting is so it's terrible. My, it's my last line of defense. The the new podcast that we're working on plans are continuing to move apace. By the end of the month, 
we're going to have a rollout for a new podcast. And I think just in time, the first two weeks of February were the highest downloaded two weeks in the history of the Liberty Collingswood podcast feed. So Howlin' Wolves, you're asking for it. And there's more to come. But in this next podcast, you're not going to be Howlin' Wolves. You're going to be Turtle Doves. What? Oh, no. Oh, yes. Uh, somebody, he's going too far with his metaphors. Helen someone, Wolves and Turtle somebody, Doves. Please stop him. That, that's my teaser. Uh, Helen Wolves, if you have any uh, questions for us, if you have any feedback on being called potentially Turtle Doves, you can it's write in to, what's our address again? Postsundayblues.gmail.com. Uh, I, I do love throwing questions at Jim. I can't always come up with them on my own when I'm not thinking about it. Um, so give those questions to me so I can throw them, throw them some more, um, fastballs instead of softballs. Still need to get those Spotify ratings in so we can go For public with no the five reason. star. <laughs> Come on, people. It's not hard. I feel like I'm winning here. <laughs> and with Always. that, is that, you know, but is that all that you have to say? Oh man, you were, it was failure <laughs> was to launch. To, yeah, because you then like started interjecting. So I was like. I'm sorry. <laughs> and with that, how was it? That was amazing. Thanks so much for joining us. This has been the Post Sunday Blues, a preaching postmortem, production of Liberty Collingswood. Go ahead, rate, review, and subscribe, and you can find all things Liberty Collingswood at libertycollingswood.org. No more Post Sunday Blues. Here comes some pre Sunday happy. Here we are. Testing, testing. <laughs> nice and nice, nice of you to share with me today. Oh, I don't know how that's going to work. <laughs> Let's see.